morning. Welcome to Humanity Meets Business, Business Therapy with Christine Savo. So excited to announce our guest today. I'm with Jeff, Jeff Johnson. So Jeff Johnson has a pretty interesting story. On October 4th in 2016, the trajectory of Jeff's life changed with one phone call. Prior to that day, Jeff was living the American dream. He had a great family, was a successful entrepreneur running a financial services firm in Iowa, and was seemingly coasting through life. The morning of October 4th, 2016, Jeff received the phone call that is every parent's worst nightmare. His oldest son, Seth, had died from fentanyl poisoning. He was 23 years old. Jeff soon realized that he had two options. He could go down the road of anger and despair and become bitter, or he could use his situation as motivation to become better. He chose the latter. Jeff decided to take a step back from his career as a financial advisor and focus his attention toward making a difference. He became an advocate for bringing awareness to substance use and addiction in teens and young adults. He began speaking at high schools and community events. He joined the board of a local treatment facility that Seth spent time at before his death. In 2020, Jeff found his own nonprofit, Choices Network, LTD, dedicated to educating kids, parents, and teachers and coaches on the importance of making positive choices. That same year, he wrote his first book, This One's For You, An Inspirational Journey Through Addiction, Death, and Meaning, and started the Living Undeterred Project. Jeff is currently organizing the Living Undeterred Tour with the goal of building a network of contacts and resources to help develop alternative solutions to mental health and addiction crises. So Jeff, I, wow, what a story to even start with. And, you know, thank you for being just so raw and real about what you've been mm -hmm. through. And any, anyone that can kind of take what, what tragedies have happened to them and try to empower and better the world with it. Or those are my heroes to me. Those are the true heroes in the world. So thank you so much for being yeah. here. And, you know, maybe you can elaborate a little bit on, on what, what happened? I mean, that was 2016, kind of where are we yeah. now? Maybe a little bit of in between. Well, thank you, Christine, for having me on the show. I very much appreciate it. Um, obviously I'm a businessman for 32 years of my life, building up a wealth management firm. And then all of a sudden, like a lot of people, things just changed very rapidly. And, you know, my son was on a six year uh, addiction journey uh, when he was given Adderall at 16 years old for uh, attention deficit. And, um, and uh, I have attention deficit as well. And for me, I've always looked at it as a superpower. And for some reason, my son didn't. And that opened the door to addiction and a six year battle. Uh, I, I talk about this in the book. Uh, and then, you know, to make to compound things, because I when Seth died, my wife and I and my other two boys, you know, I had to present this narrative to him that that there had to be a better option, a better road to go on. So I, I, I came up with this two roads metaphor and I presented it to the boys the day Seth died as such. I said, boys, we have you know one of two roads to go down. We have one road of anger, despair and hatred and we'll become alcoholics and addicts ourselves or we have a road of inspiration and motivation. And this can be the single greatest influence in our lives and those around us, I'm on the second road. I ask you to join me. And I presented it honestly that clean the day that Seth died to the boys because I figured as their dad and as my wife's husband, this was the thing I've been training for my whole life. This is the moment that, mm. you know, it's, it's it's the moment that you can't mess up. You can't fumble the ball. I'm on the one yard line, you know, and my boys needed a needed, you know, they needed a superhero and they just lost their brother. The reality was, Christine, my wife and I were functional alcoholics our whole lives. And I was married 21 years and I've been drinking since, you know, eighth, ninth grade. And I, my wife and I basically went downhill the first 
14 months after Seth died. I, I stopped working, stayed at home. I was lucky I own the company. So, you know, I, I can do that, which is, you know, I understand most people aren't in that position and I respect that, but I, I drank myself almost to death. And on December 24, 2017, I realized that I needed to quit. So I just stopped and I quit as an alcoholic. I've never had a drink since. And it's been the easiest thing I've ever had to do in my life. Unfortunately for my wife, it didn't work out too well. Um, I quit to really support her and show her it can be done. And on June 29th of last year, I buried my wife of 21 years at the age of 46. She weighed 80 pounds when she died. And so, you know, I know it is a tragic story, but every time in my life, something happens, something else is born. And so I'm trying to show people, not tell them or teach them, but show them that it's possible to live an inspired life in spite of what inevitable things happen. You know, death is happening to all of us. And we have this odd sense, a poor relationship with death. And we kind of expect it to be convenient or in the right order. And it doesn't work that way. And so I'm just trying to look at changing the narrative as really changing our minds, changing our mindset. You know, we don't have to participate in the way society's told us how to grieve or, or how death can, you know, be the, be the ending. It doesn't have to work that way. So yeah, I started this podcast called Living Undeterred, which has been amazing. I wrote a book and now the tour we have coming up, which I can talk about in a few minutes. That's the most incredible, most humbling thing I've ever been able to involved with. Wow. <sighs> so this is, you know, this is coming from a deep place in you. And, and so often mm -hmm. that is the case for most people, right? It's like, I, I even asked someone in my practice mm -hmm. today, I said, well, does it hurt bad enough to change yet? And mm -hmm. change is typically propelled by pain. Mm -hmm. So for you, it's like, okay, I'm going to take my pain and I'm going to make it productive. But I really appreciate that you honor the path for the people that it's not so easy just to drop the bottle, right? It's not so easy to, mm -hmm. you know, stop working or, or whatever the cases are. You recognize that there was some things that you had that others don't. But yet also it sounds to me kind of like paving the path, showing the way of this is possible. So I'm kind of curious, yeah. you mentioned you have other children. How yeah. are, how are they handling all of this? Because you're, you're the adult in the room going through these two significant losses, which is hard, yeah. but what is this, what has this been like for, you know, your other children? I have learned more from them than they've learned from me. Uh, my two boys are just absolutely amazing. My middle son is a golfer at the university of South Dakota. He raised $50,000 while in high school. Um, his older brother died on the day of districts. Ian's sophomore year, two miles from where he was golfing that day. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so, uh, you know, it's, it, it, that's been an important thing for Ian through golf to raise money. So Ian is amazing. He, he uh, raised $50,000 while still in high school for mental health, substance abuse and awareness and uh, addiction. And he was, uh, he won the Jerry Cole sportsmanship award, which is the highest honor in junior golf in the world. And they picked one kid in the world, male or female to win it. And Ian won it. And he got to go to Florida and speak at the Rolex All-American Banquet. And, you know, my wife and I, my son, Roman, flew down there. And it was a great moment to, to watch my son just embrace, lean into uh, chaos. And the reality is, is that we all can do that. I mean, I, I am nothing special. I, I know people like to look at me and think I have it figured out. I, I don't. I had, I had a brush with suicidal ideation over Christmas. I mean, just as recently as four months ago. And I talked about it on my podcast and I shared it in my blogs just to show people that, you know, I, I am human, you know, people think based on what I'm doing, that I've got this thing conquered. You mentioned change. I, I don't believe in change. Uh, it's evolution. It's adaption. Mm, it's, yes. I like that even it's, more. I, yep. It's my third tenant or my third, um, my third um, pillar in my living undeterred mindset. 
mm-hmm. is expectations, preparation, and evolution. And again, I don't, I just don't want to fight upstream in my life. I, I, I know death's coming and, and I know it's coming in an order that typically isn't conducive to convenience. And I accept that. I lean into it. And I'm 56 years old. I'm arguably at the best place I've ever been in my life. Uh, my mom died in November too, over Thanksgiving. She's mm-hmm. 89 and my mom is the sweetest human on the planet. So, you know, death again entered my life as an opportunity, not as a punishment, you know, not, not as, um, you know, woe is me and all that. And so I talk, I talk a lot about framing because I, I'm a stoic uh, philosopher in a way. I, I studied stoicism back in college and the way that they, re- the way that they frame situations in your life. So I, had, I have a sentence, Christine, that I just love. And at the end of my talks, I, I, this is my closing statement for a sentence. I say, I have one sentence that will change the tra- trajectory of your life. How you answer this, this question will determine the quality of the rest of your life. And here's the question. Do things happen to you? Or do things happen for you? Simple question. Mm-hmm. So any event in your life, you can say, what was me? Why did this happen? Why wasn't it somebody else? Blah, blah, blah. The government did it, you know, the drug cartels, whatever. And you're a victim all of a sudden. Now I'm a victim. Mm-hmm. And that victim mindset is the bitter road. And so the, the better road is the victor mindset. That's the person saying, you know what? My son died. There's for a reason. I don't know what the, I don't know what the reason is. I have no idea. And I don't believe in waiting for the reason I'm going to make my own reason. And that's what we did. My family and I got together. We got this tour coming up in three weeks where we're going around the United States for 95 days <gasps> in a 34 foot RV, fully wrapped, living undeterred us tour, changing the narrative on mental health. And I'm raising a million dollars. I'm giving half it back to the States that support me, the 50 States that support me. And um, I'm writing a book called 50 Stories in 50 States. I'm going to highlight one amazing story in each state. And I had a reporter ask me the other day, Jeff, you know, what problem are you trying to solve? You talk about change the narrative. What does that mean? That's, that's so dramatic. I mean, why are you doing the tour? And I got to thinking, I kept falling for this trap, these stupid questions. People Take it. Let me part. Not stupid. These, these naive questions people ask. You know, yeah. it, it's a setup. No matter how I answer, they're going to find something to challenge me. So I've learned now to not answer those questions with an answer. I answer them with either another question or a statement. So this reporter asked me, what problem are you trying to solve? And my answer was, if what we were doing was working, I wouldn't be doing the tour. Mm -hmm. If what we were doing was working, I wouldn't be doing the tour. Every single statistic, every statistic across the board, unless you find some really odd one, they're worse than they were a year ago, worse than they were five years ago, worse than it was 10 years ago. Suicide, depression, anxiety, uh, alcoholism, drug overdoses, you know, uh, you name it, everything is worse. And so do we just keep doing what we're doing? Right. That's not how I want to do it. I, I don't want to raise awareness, Christine, mm-hmm. that it's not raising awareness. Isn't working. It's not working. And I used to tell people, you know, do we need another label on a Snickers bar <laughs> for people to stop eating Snicker bars? Right. Awareness is not doing us any good. We need to find ways to make actionable things happen in people's lives. And that's what the tour is about. I want to find the people that aren't just raising awareness. I think I'll raise awareness by accident, by, by going around the country in our RV. Right. Um, I'm not worried about that. that. There's enough people doing awareness things. I don't want to do that. I want to make a difference. I, I want to really move the needle. And I've put all my chips on the table. I'm 56. I don't have a wife. I have you know one boy in college. The other one's graduating high school this year. My dad's 90. So I got really nothing holding me back. And so mm-hmm. I got I got a great future ahead of me. I'm excited. I met you today. I'm meeting mm-hmm. new people every day. And my life is, is I, I feel very fortunate. I, I'm in a position to be able to, to really find gratitude in my life. And so I, I think I'm very lucky right now. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Well, I can hear the passion. I can hear, I can hear this is being fueled by something so deep and stirring inside of you, you know, and I can actually, this might sound weird, but I do feel the presence of, of your son and your wife pushing this along as well. I do. I feel that energy there that they are backing this. They know that, you know, um, on some level, this is all preventable, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. And the, yeah. and the changing the narrative and the breaking the stigma. And, mm-hmm. you know, if it were up to me, every single person would have uh, would have therapy. And mm-hmm. just for some resources, just for someone to talk to, just for a set of eyes. I will yeah. tell you, just for a set of eyes. Yeah. Just somebody that you know you have an appointment with next yep. week that I say, if I don't see you, I'm going to check on you. I'm more, you know. It holds you accountable in a way. You know, absolutely. My two yeah. boys both see therapists. And, Good, yeah. Yeah, and I don't. Awesome. I don't ask them anything. I just. Um, I don't ask them. I how therapy go? Good. I just. Now, this may surprise you. I've never seen a therapist. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of think the circle of people I'm with talking to you right now is therapy. So, my projects are. Th- my podcast is daily therapy. You know, I got seven recordings this week. I'm, mm-hmm. My podcast is like filled up till October right now. I'm trying to load it up before we go on tour. But, you know. I unload on people. You and I have had a great conversation already and and I feel like it's been therapeutic. And then after this, I talked to somebody else. And, and, and so maybe that doesn't count as actually therapy, but I tell you what, Christine, it does, you know, yeah. talking to people, whether I pay for advice or not, this, this <laughs> certainly helps me, helps me a lot. Yeah. Um, well, and, and even as a, even as a therapist, um, I'm definitely not like one shoe for every foot. You know, what, right. do what works for you. Some people, it's the gym. Some people, it's gardening. Some people, it's having a close-knit group of friends. Um, and some people, it's social support, like AA, Smart Recovery. Mm-hmm. And I'm not here to say there's one way that works better than another. But I, I right. do believe in human connection, mm-hmm. reaching out and being in the room with people that you can trust, tell your real raw story to, that aren't going to necessarily try to fix it. Mm-hmm. They're going to listen. They're going to hear you. They're going to support you. And maybe, maybe, maybe if they have a couple ideas, they might share that too. But really the idea of we're not alone. Right. And so much of addiction, depression, anxiety, this is the life that I live every day, all day, treating it, Hmm. is this overarching aloneness. I'm a big fan of uh, Johan Hari. And he said the opposite of addiction is... Now, when I do my presentation on the tour, I'm going to throw that question out and wait for people to answer. Mm-hmm. And what do you think everyone's going to say? The opposite of addiction is sobriety. <laughs> yeah. Being clean, sobriety. Yeah, yeah. He says, no, the opposite of addiction is connectivity. Yes. So many people take to their grave dark secrets and issues and problems and through suicide. And I think by being vulnerable, and again, I, I cry all day long. I, I, I mean, I'm a grown man and we're not supposed to. Well, forget that. Um, if you're laughing, crying, and learning, you're having a full day. Yeah. And I thought to myself, you know, I can do all that in spite of bearing a child, bearing my wife, bearing my mom. You know, I, you know who, who's going to tell me I can't? Who's going to tell me I have to be depressed? Who's going to tell me I have to be sad? Right. You know, I look in the mirror and that's my therapist. That, that's who I see back. And I, I'm just, maybe I'm a narcissist. Maybe I'm a control freak. Maybe I'm overly optimistic, but I've always, always had this thing inside of me that just says undeterred, you know, just Jeff, keep going, keep going undeterred. And so life isn't throwing me setbacks or challenges. It's giving me opportunities to become a better person. And, and that's my mindset. And I don't know what that falls in for a box for, you know, 
labeling, you know, does that mean I'm a Buddhist or does that mean I'm a, you know, I, heck, I don't know. I don't even care what people call me. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I love that you bring that up too, Jeff, because I think that part of changing the narrative is actually breaking down the conversations of, of what is what, right? Mm-hmm. So I was having dinner with a friend a while ago and uh, it was a newer friend and they're telling me a little bit about their story. And as I was asking some challenging questions and they said, I don't want to be diagnosed right now. And I just started laughing hysterically. I said, first of all, <laughs> diagnosis really is just for the insurance companies. You know, if that's, yeah. a, if that's <laughs> a barrier point. to treatment. I, I like that. That's a good I point. I literally have to write a, I like that. a number in a box from the ICD-10 uh, mm. to bill your insurance. Now, do I even remember your diagnosis after our second session? Probably not. Your person. I like that. Your that's person. Really and what you're coming in the room with is your humanity. And what I'm coming in the room with is my humanity. Now you're looking through certain lenses and I may have a different view. And really the power of our conversation is the two different perspectives. So often what I like to say too, because I work with a lot of people that struggle with suicidality, um, mm-hmm. addictions, all the things, you know, it's, it's like a daily conversation of, are you going to be alive next week? Um, mm-hmm. And please, please be alive next week. Um, mm-hmm. But I like to say when you're when you're in that space, you have tunnel vision. You're at the mm-hmm. bottom of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. And all I'm doing is trying to kind of give you the idea that there's more to it than what you're seeing. Mm-hmm. So your pain, your problem, your suffering, your grief, your loss of relationship, your loss of job or income, your loss of health, whatever the whatever it is, because there's a, there typically is some loss there, right? um on some level or another that i'm just here kind of with the flashlight going hey you know it's okay that you're in the tunnel and i'm out here just kind of offering you a step at a time that when you're ready able willing when all the things come together that you'll be able to see what i see too and usually that's what's good in you you know, so often our tunnel vision is what's bad in us. It's like I'm just like I'm raising my hand. Wrong. Yes, <laughs> I'm go raising ahead, my hand, go going, ahead. going, teacher. Can I say something? <laughs> teacher, teacher, yes, please come in. Yeah, because I, you know, attention deficit's the greatest gift I ever had <laughs> put in my body. I just can't sit still and I'm hyper focused. But you got me thinking about something again. Is the greatest book I've ever read is Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Viktor Frankl, yep. Yeah, and and so I was reading the book one day, and I've read it like four or five times, and I like the the phrase that just was my epiphany moment. And this was a year after Seth died. I was trying to find self-help books to get me to, to, you know, do better. Cause I was really mm-hmm. struggling. And he said, uh, uh, suffering is my opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I thought, bingo. I thought that's it. That's, that's the, that's the magic sauce of what I'm trying to do. That's, 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 I couldn't articulate what I was looking my life at. And cause you know, to me, I was like, you know, I, I don't, I believe in pain, but I really don't because I believe it's an opportunity, mm-hmm. but I couldn't articulate that. Mm-hmm. And so I read that and I thought, oh man, that's it. That's, that's, that's it. So I did, like I did do college, I plagiarized a little bit. So I reframed it to take ownership of this, you know, art, this the way he framed it. And I said, um, so my, my saying, Christine, is this pain is unavoidable, but suffering is a choice. That's right. And so that's, that's one of my sayings. My other one is, uh, purpose becomes passion when it gets personal. Those are my two big sayings. I like to talk. I open all my talks with that. That sentence sets the tone of what I'm going to talk about. Purpose becomes passion when it gets personal. And um, you know, for me, this is very personal, obviously, and for millions of other people. But going back to Viktor Frankl, I thought to myself, why do we have to 
even believe in the concept of grief and pain. I mean, someone says, you know, uh, Kubler-Ross said five stages of grief. Well, okay, how about five stages of opportunity? You know, why, 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 do, we, why do we have to buy into these narratives? I mean, and so I've got this odd sense of just impulsive reframing when anything happens to me. I refuse to participate in what I'm supposed to do. And so is that, is that just some odd quirk in my brain? I, I don't know, but there's got to be a lot of people like me out there that kind of feel that way, but just maybe don't have the platform I have or don't know how to, how to say it, or maybe they're uncomfortable saying it. But it's like, whenever I feel like it's coming, I tell myself, here it is. This is that moment in front of the boys. This is my opportunity. This isn't, this isn't depression seeping in. You know, I've never been depressed. I've had massive depressive moments. Uh, over Christmas, I, I knew it took me seven seconds to get to my safe and shoot myself. That, that's how bad it got. But I don't allow myself to say I have depression. I just don't. I have depressive moments, many of them. But I'm just not going. The doctor could say, Jeff, you're depressed. And you can call me whatever you want. Like you said, that's for the insurance companies. I'm not depressed. And again, maybe I am. Maybe I'm manic depressive. Maybe I'm bipolar. I don't really care what people call me. I sleep well. I work hard. I love life. I have great relationships. I've buried people I extremely loved and care about. Um, and, and that's just, that's how I, that's how I live my day. And so I'm very optimistic that we as a society can look at how we participate in these narratives that we just learned, you know, you go to funerals and everyone's sad wearing black and crying. And it's like, we don't, we don't have to look at death that way. A lot, a lot of cultures celebrate death. A lot of religions Absolutely. reward yes. you for going to heaven. Yes. So why, why are we just, death is just the ending for so many people. And I, <laughs> I'm in, so, I'm in so many Facebook chat rooms and I, and God bless these, uh, these men and women that just can't let go. They just, every moment they're posting pictures of their, of their kids. And I, I just, I understand it. I, I see the utility, but for Jeff Johnston, it doesn't work. I, I, I post about two pictures a year of Seth. Um, I just, I don't need affirmation or validation. What I'm doing is, is correct. And I know I'm helping people and I want to make this so not about me. I want to, I want to make this about you and about other people, because after a while, if all I do is go around and talk about Jeff Johnston, uh, that that's going to run its course. And if, but if I become an interviewer and, and can talk to people about their stories and be vulnerable, then I think we can start looking at all these things differently. And that's kind of my change the narrative, change our mindset. You know, I don't know. I, I don't know. Yeah. That's kind of the road I'm on. I'm really excited about learning. Well, you know, Jeff, if I can kind of come in there, um, as mm -hmm. you said, I don't think it's ever a bad idea to offer an alternative, mm -hmm. you know? So there's a status quo. There's what the majority does. There's the kind mm -hmm. of, there's the expected path. And then there's also these kind of offshoots of like, right. you know, if that doesn't feel right for you and you're feeling, because a lot of times um, what, what I've experienced, I have a grief group. This is very near and dear to my heart. Believe me, I, I work Absolutely. with uh, death more than the average person. Yeah. And I have probably similar philosophies of, you know, um, it's more of an honor the time you had together mm -hmm. and, and yeah. really have that gracious gratefulness because yeah. all of our time is numbered. Nobody knows. And whether it's a tragic death, unexpected, expected, um, we all know that we're temporary beings on this planet at this time. They haven't quite figured out, you know, immortality. So <laughs> Elon, Elon will trust me. Yeah, Elon will, but it might be past my time, you know, and I'm actually, okay yeah, me with too. That. Uh, but, but really focusing in on bringing our loved ones with us living extra because they aren't, mm -hmm. you know, uh, enjoying the cupcake that mom used to like eating the steak that dad used to order going to the place and not necessarily for nostalgia, 
but a lot of times it's keeping it's being alive in the midst of the grief and the loss does that make sense mm, yeah oh, that makes all the sense in the world and i need to be hypersensitive that not everybody you know i thinks the way i think and so part of my learning process is being more understanding that you know i'm i'm open to, to a lot of a lot of things i mean i'm like i said i'm only 56 and and humanity's been around for a long time um and there's a lot of things out there i don't know and part of what this um part of what this tour is i'm doing this 95 day tour is an exploration i've got a lot of people trying to back me into a corner trying to what are you trying to sell or what are you what are you promoting what's your agenda I'm, I'm learning. I'm, I'm five years into this. Five years ago, I didn't know anything about this stuff. You know, I'm not, I'm not a clinician. I'm, I'm not a therapist like you are. Um, so I'm really new to this, but I come into it with a really, uh, an interesting sense of refraining and, um, and looking at, you know, most things that some people, many people would consider as, you know, setbacks and challenges. I look at them as just evolution, just my my growth as a as a spiritual being you know yes. and this comes from you know i'm an agnostic as well so i struggle with people trying to figure out if this is driven by a higher power and my higher power is in my heart my higher power is my son and my wife um that's my higher power now if that's a god then so be it but i just i've never really been interested in 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 that angle for me because i just didn't need it um and i understand like i said the utility of all these things and i i I'm probably, you know, the most intentional agnostic you've ever, you'd ever meet because I really do feel that I found my meaning and my purpose and my calling, but it's for a lot of different reasons than, than a lot of people. And whether you are a, you know, believer in, in say mainstream religion or you're not, it shouldn't prohibit you from being just a good human, right? I mean, why does it matter? Why does it matter what your belief is where you go after we die when we really should be focused on our behaviors, why we're here on this earth, not our beliefs. And I just kind of get attached to people that are behavior oriented and we don't have a lot of conversations on beliefs. And that's why I don't watch TV. I don't, I haven't watched any news in five, in three years, probably I haven't watched one news channel. Mm -hmm. um, I just toxic toxicity in my life. I have no time for. Yeah. And if I turn on TV, I'm just going to get angry. I'm just going to get confused. And so I don't watch it. Um, and all I do is try to read and write and go to podcasts and talk to people like you that, you know, we're having a very good conversation today. And I don't know if anyone listening is going to benefit, but I know I did. Oh, and selfishly, a lot of what I'm doing is to make sure that I don't join my son and my wife just yet. Right. Um, I'm not ready. I, I, yes. I got too much to give back and too much to enjoy. And yes. for selfish reasons, um, and I'm sure you do the same thing with your podcast when people say, oh, you're helping lots of people. And you say, yeah, but I'm helping myself too. You know what? Um, <laughs> it's so funny you say that. I you said it earlier, actually, and we're in alignment. I learn just as much every day. I'm alive. <laughs> yeah, right. as, as I as I teach and I share, right? Um, right. Because people really are unique, and we have a lot of things in common, and we have a lot mm -hmm. of shared uh, experiences and stories. But as you said, our perspective, how we approach things, is really what makes us different. And mm -hmm. the more people we bring to the table, the more options there are. It it becomes a buffet instead mm -hmm. of a, a single plate, right? So, mm -hmm, absolutely. so if I'm grieving and I think there's one way to do it, I'm most likely going to do that. But if I can see that there's maybe even three or four or five, right? then now I have a choice and I can go, you know, that first month, I really felt all those things. 
Right. But it's not as hard as I thought. And now I feel guilty for it. And I want to make it hard. And I want to say I'm sad because I don't know what else to do. And we're not but, granted permission to actually feel how we feel, how we're feeling in that day, in that moment. Right. With regard to, you know, what what our world labels as certain things. So you see people like Anthony Bourdain and, and Robin Williams, and you're like, mm -hmm. how could they do this? Well, I tell you what, it's not too hard. It's not too hard. The moment you let your guard down or you get overconfident in your therapy. So whatever you're doing, that's AA, God, whatever you're doing, just keep doing it. Don't take shortcuts. That's like, that's like my big thing I'm trying to tell people. It's really important to me. Whatever you're doing, just to keep doing it. I love it. So, you know, with this, with this purpose and passion and personal, <laughs> Jeff, yeah. why don't yeah. you tell our listeners where they can find you? So uh, your website, your social media, and if they, you know, where they can maybe check out your tour. Yeah, it's just livingundeterred.com. Undeterred is kind of a goofy word to spell. So it's uh, your spell check will probably fix it. It's www.livingundeterred.org. I'm sorry, livingundeterred.org. And then on LinkedIn, I'm under Jeff Johnston. Uh, I have on Facebook, I'm on Jeff Johnston. I'm on Living Undeterred. Um, and, you know, my, my objective is to just keep doing what I'm doing, stay focused, go undeterred, live my life undeterred, but I also want to enjoy life, you know? So I'm meeting new people like you. Uh, I really think that, um, my, the best of my life is ahead of me and I'm, you know, I'm living for the living, but I'm honoring the dead. And I think that's the way we have to look at life in general. Mm. Yeah, there we go. Beautiful. So Jeff, what a, what an amazing, just thank you so much for sharing um, your path and, and what this has been like for you, you know, and the uniqueness of your own personal journey and being open to other people's as well. So it's been totally awesome to have you on. Thank you so much for sharing. And this has been Humanity Meets Business, Business Therapy with Christine Salvo, Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist, Advanced Certified Mediator and Master Practitioner of NLP and Hypnosis. Thank you so much for listening and have a wonderful day. 